Hey, it's your boy, the Big Aristotle Shack, and this is the Prime Time Podcast from the Bros Who Think Network. Bitches. What's up, guys? Welcome to another edition of the Prime Time Podcast. My name is Charles Reese, your host, and today we're talking recruiting as the early signing day. Uh, early signing period on that first day is coming to an end. Today, I'm joined by Josh Lemoyne, as always, as well as Mike Scarborough. How are you guys doing today? Hey, Good. doing great. Glad to be with you guys again. I enjoyed it the last time. Well, uh, let's start with some of the downs and, I guess, surprises. As LSU loses two wide receivers today. I, I mean, from y'all's perspective, in terms of talent, with what LSU does have receiver-wise, is this really a hiccup, or, or is this something they can sustain in this class? I'll let you go ahead first, Mike. Look, I, I think they can sustain it. Um, you know, it, it's not like wide receivers have ever been an issue for the LSU football program. Um, I think there was one little stretch in the last 20 years, uh, uh, probably the year before Reuben Randall signed, and maybe the, the numbers were looking lean. And uh, But in reality, that's always been a strength, and Louisiana produces them. I understand, and, and, and I, you applaud the recruiting nationally, um, but I think this is probably one of the uh, hiccups, as you say, that can happen when you're, you're courting a kid in California, you're courting a kid in Baltimore. Um, certainly you go after those kids and, and, and you want to have them, and it's not like uh, there was a couple of kids that were pretty close to them talent-wise in Louisiana, so it wasn't where you got bit by thinking the grass was greener. I think what you got bit by was it's, you know, trying to maintain, maintain those type of kids uh, is a lot more difficult when they're in California and Baltimore uh, than they are if they're, if they're in Hanville or Brobridge. No, yeah, look, Charles, I think Mike hit it on the head. I just got off a show ESPN, and I was saying the same exact thing. I think when we're, we're going to recruit nationally now, so in some of, some of the pluses is on occasion, you're going to go get that five-star kid that from California and Eliza Ricks. But this also can happen when you recruit nationally. There's going to be little hiccups here and there. That's just the nature of the beast. But like Mike said, if there was one position I thought LSU could take a hit in a little bit, it was wide receiver. We're deep. I like where we're at still. We still pulled two really good wide receivers out of the state. And I just don't think we'll have a problem, you know, pulling more talent at that position. So I know it, it hurts a little bit. I've seen some of the fans. I got a lot of messages saying, man, what's going on? But I thought, look, if that's the one position we're going to take a hit at, you know, I, I was fine with it. You know, but it also, what, you know, a guy like Coy Moore that when you yep. started talking about the four commitments and, you know, and him sitting there and some had him as a three-star, I mean, really, that really opens the door for a kid like him. You know, yep. all of a sudden he's got a, a, a bigger opportunity than he had before. Kayshawn Butte, the same thing, number one wide receiver in the state. Some think he might be the number one overall player in the state. Uh, for this year um you know so look you know we we still don't know uh we, we get to see trey palmer uh you know come along and and uh, see what kind of spring he has and of course you got jamar chase terrace marshall racy mcmath right. uh, coming back um you know justin jefferson is, is pretty much going to be gone he's getting super high first round uh grades for the nfl draft so um i i i think lsu can absorb it um you know, but it's I also think there's another part of this is that, uh, boy, is, is an LSU fan base uh, and, and, of course, the media, we cover it. 
I mean, it's been nothing but positive, positive news from every angle of LSU uh, football. Um, and, I, and I think everybody's kind of spoiled rotten. You just thought you were going to sweep <laughs> through today, get Jordan Birch, and because it's, it's just been it's been a whirlwind between getting Scott Woodward, F. King Alexander out, a new football facility, a new uh, incredible off the chain nutrition center, uh, an undefeated season, Heisman trophies, Blitnikoffs, on and on and on. <laughs> You know, it's just like okay, you're just you just think it's gonna, you know, like I said, it's just a, a is it uh, spoil rotten and, and and you're wanting uh you know cowboy ribeyes for every meal. <laughs> no, I second that that uh, Mike. Yeah, that's you're absolutely right. I think this is the first bad taste that LSU fans have had in their mouth in what, like you said, months. So hey, look, it's gonna happen. It's recruiting, but you know, at the end of the day, no, LSU's but and, 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 no, no, no. This staff, look, man, it, it, yep. I'm. I'm I've been all in with these guys from what I've seen, the the work ethic. And and what this does for us is it's going to make January a lot more interesting than we thought it was going to be about four to six weeks ago. Because now all of a sudden you've got five or six spots that you can work with in January. And once the dust settles on this one today at the end of the day and all the national letters are in, of course, you know, kids can still sign tomorrow um, and up, up to Friday. So, well, they'll they'll reevaluate and see what's out there, and all of a sudden, January is going to look like a lot more than just uh, Zach Evans and McKinley Jackson and and so mm-hmm. forth. Yeah, and, and those two receivers you talked about who they got with Booty and and Coy Moore, mm-hmm. I think you know Coy fits into that slot role really well, and Booty, I mean, he's excellent. The guy had thirty touchdowns this year, so you're getting yeah. two really good prospects. And and I, you know, I, I texted Josh and said, man, it's up and down day. He's like, come on, man, it's a good day. And, it's, and you have to look at it as, look, LSU lost out on two guys they had committed. They lost out on a guy that a lot of fans wanted to get in, in Birch. But at the same time, they picked up a Phillip Webb and they picked up a Doomerville. So in, in those two guys they picked up, they're in key positions that LSU needed guys at. And I think LSU did a good job in getting that offensive tackle as well as getting a pass rusher in Webb. And, and those two guys, what is LSU getting? Yeah, look, just real quick, before we go to that, you know, I, I don't know that they would do this, but now you, you've got, like I said, five or six spots. If you absolutely think that you need one more receiver, then, you know, is there somebody out there in January? But you've already got Deion Smith committed for, for 21. Yeah, and, and, and like, I, I, I don't think you need a grad transfer when you got Terrace Marshall and, and you know, and J- Jamar Chase coming back. But if you did, I mean, now you got you've got options. So mm-hmm. I, I just think um, you got Deion Smith already committed for twenty one, and then you look around the state of Louisiana. What is Louisiana for twenty one? Half the offers are receivers. Yes. So yeah, yeah I mean it, it's, I mean Chris Hilton, Brian Thomas. Uh, we'll see what's going to happen with Quincy Brown going forward. You got the kid at Carr. Um, you know, look, it, it wide receivers grow on trees around here. That's not a problem. <laughs> Yeah, Charles, that's what I was going to say before we answer the other question is, you know, I know the fans get they get locked in on on this class. But, you know, it, you got to look at it as a big the, the big scheme. And my, like Mike said, next year, LSU, uh, the state's loaded at wide receiver. So, you know, uh, we're going to be fine. Like you said, Mike said, we got options later on in January. So, you know, I think we'll be good. Uh, Charles, speaking about the uh, the other two gigs, to me, I thought the biggest get of the day was the offensive tackle. You getting Marcus, that that was huge for LSU to lock up an offensive tackle that we know we needed. You know, a number eleven or number ten ranked offensive tackle. I just thought that's really really big for this for this class. 
uh, especially with the type of offense with, that we've run with the RPO system. You, you know, you're going to need a pass block. I mean, I just think it was it was key, such key for this class, much more important than a wide receiver. Mike, what, what was your feeling on that? Yeah, no, th- th- this was, you know, we, we talked about it on the last podcast. Yep. And, and sure enough, you know, early in the season when the defense was struggling, I was talking about, you know, okay, at the end of the year, you know, you're going to see when the, when the all-SEC teams come out, you know, you're going to have a lot of LSU players, but the defensive front seven is going to be kind of mm-hmm. slim. And sure enough, there was none on the media, AP. Uh, you got Caleb on chase on second team, all SEC. And, and, and it's not taking a shot at, the, you know, the starters. They're good. They're, they're, it's a good group. And they've obviously played well the last two games. Mm-hmm. Um, but the difference makers. So that was the need. Defensive front seven. And, of course, you know, had Birch not done South Carolina, um, that would have just been like, holy smokes, like an all-time, you know, great. But, but now, look, man, I went out and filmed McKinley Jackson back in October. That kid's a beast. I have him as a probable at LSU, uh, battling A&M right now. He comes in in mid-January for a visit, you know. So now you turn your attention to him. you got Jaqueline Roy, Jacoby Guillory, yeah. Ojalari, Philip Webb. Uh, uh, White that uh, hardly anybody talks about. Go go watch his film. Oh, it's good. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> it, 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 the defensive front seven was the need. Obviously, you still need a, a, a top running back. Um, Zach Evans is the guy. We'll see if there's anybody else that services. But I, I think a lot of the stuff that's out there on Zach Evans is you know kind of smoke screeny a bit. Um, he, he's. He's obviously uh, aggravating to a lot of guys that cover recruiting because there, there's not a whole lot to chew on with him. Look, this this class is going to be uh, just fine where they need it. Um, the, the needs were linemen, and they got them. Your offensive linemen, defensive linemen, you know, that was the main focus. You got the two quarterbacks. Both are midterm grads. Got a couple of receivers. Boy, it, it, you know, like I was saying, it just – Boutte and Coy Moore. I mean, they're in the catbird seat now, and – you know, what kind of legacy do they get to write? Yeah, remember back uh, in 20, the December of 2019 when there was four of us and they were stuck with the two of us, and look what kind of career we've had. You know, that, right. that, that's the kind of story that they get to write a, two or three years from now. So uh, I, I imagine that, they're, they're, that they really uh, made their Christmas a little even more brighter because uh, that gives them more room. Yeah, definitely. And you can't forget a guy like Eric Gilbert as well who, I mean, whew. That guy's going to have immediate impact. But, hey, you look at that defensive line class, I think it's comparable to what LSU's done when they won championships in 03, 07, even 11. They were led by really good defensive line classes. And you see that you're going to be processing guys out as people are going to be leaving for the draft, people are going to be leaving due to graduation. And you kind of see that with the offensive line as well. You're going to have some guys leaving, you have some guys behind them. Uh, which you'll be watching to see who steps up. But I think that the tackle's huge. I think that, you know, what LSU did on the defensive side uh, is equally as impressive as what they did on the offensive side. Just talk about some of the guys that stood out to y'all on that defensive side that can make those first-year impacts. Uh, yeah, I'll just start real quick, Mike, and hit on uh, – like uh, Mike had mentioned, Shaquillian Roy. I mean, when you turn on his film, it's it, – you know, it's obvious. He's, he's going to be – you know, I'm not saying he's going to step on the field – first day and start or anything like that, but he's, he's going to make an impact, man. You look at J- Jacoby and Guillory, another, you know, in, in-state prospect who's – he's the type of defense alignment, like Mike was mentioning, Charles, you were mentioning that 
it's just got that championship feel to it, right? The guys that we need to consistently bring in from class to class. When you turn on the film for those two, those guys are making an impact. They're playmakers. It's the type of guys that we expect to see at LSU over again. You got a guy like Eric Taylor uh, from Alabama. You know, I know he's not a Louisiana kid, and he's not a guy that that a lot of people know his name. But when you turn on the film, man, he you know he definitely flashes. So I think Ocho, Coach O has done a, a really good job at getting the guys on the front seven, like we had mentioned, getting the guys we needed to make just a championship contender years down the road. And and th- this is the type of class I think we needed. You mentioned the, the offensive line, front seven, offensive line, you know, turn on the film. A lot of these guys are very impressive. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I guess I'm maybe I'm throwing some shade when I say this, but, um, anybody that does rankings for any of the networks, um, I'm unaware of any of them being on a sideline uh, the last two years when Jacoby and Giller was actually playing a football game. So Mike's I'm going to be real anxious to see when he goes to, to the all-star game uh, in January and they get to see him. Um, look, he's got a high ranking, but I think, I, I, I think he's underrated. So um, I, I'd like to see Jacoby and Gillery play out and, and really have a dominant all-star game because mm-hmm. there's still an opportunity for him to move up in the ranking periods. But he doesn't get talked about uh, talked about enough. What's there more to say about Jaquel and Roy? I, I've, right. I have him as a five-star on Tiger Bait, and you know, then that position just gets even better because you know I'm already fast-forwarding to 21, and you got Mason Smith out there, mm-hmm. number one player in, in, in Louisiana, and then his best buddy Corey Foreman, the number one player overall in the country, and Ed Orgeron's on the phone with him. Uh, at least a couple of times a week, uh, LSU's uh, this this train's going to continue to roll. So uh, defensive linemen and, and defensive front seven, they focused on it, and I think when it's all said and done, first Wednesday in February with what they finish out with, uh, uh, I, I, you, I wouldn't trade their class with anybody. I think when it's done. Well, let's talk about a position that LSU struggled with in the past, and that's quarterback. Uh, Joe Burrow's leaving. They just had a Heisman winner. Uh, looks like maybe Miles Burton will be the guy to step in unless maybe a transfer comes along, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But the two guys they got in TJ Finley and Max Johnson, I think both are very talented quarterbacks. Uh, what can LSU expect from those type of guys? Yeah, look, I'll, I'll start real quick, Mike. That you know, when, when you, Mike, and I want to get your perspective on TJ Finley because, you know, a couple of years ago he was the, the second coming and, you know, then it, he's kind of been trending down, down, down. But look, I would like to get your perspective, but real quick on them too. I think with you get two guys that are more than capable, extremely talented, you know, TJ, a couple of years ago, you know, like I said, he was going to be, you know, the five-star kid. He's trended down a little bit. You got to look at his school, his offensive line, what talent was around them. These guys are more than talented to play in the sec, very capable quarterbacks. And I honestly, Mike, I don't know what your opinion is. Uh, but to me, I think TJ has the highest ceiling. Yeah, a little bit of in- inconsistency here and there. But I just like what I see on film. I like the mechanics. I, I like the arm strength. It just it just pops to me when I see TJ. You know, when you turn on film with some of these high-ranked guys and I see that he's a three-star on some of these recruiting surfaces, I just don't see him, Mike. I just see a guy that has a quick release, has a rocket arm. You know, I know there's consistency issues, but I want to see him perform, Mike, with with elite receivers. I got to watch him at the LSU Elite Camp a couple years ago at 15 years old, and he was by far the best quarterback there. And there was guys that were headed into, you know, the college 
you didn't, he still had a couple years left. So, Mike, what, what, what's your opinion on the quarterbacks? Well, I, I can tell you what, what probably for the national guys that when they come down and, and, and look, mm-hmm. when he goes to the opening and he doesn't test, he doesn't want to run the 40 and that kind of stuff, you know, that's when they throw up the red flags. Right. So, and, and I think that that's what hurt TJ in the rankings. And you mentioned, you know, the, the supporting cast at Ponchatoula, and, you know, that's all true. Um, you know, uh, Cody's young, and, and he, he didn't have a full cast. Thing. But one thing I know about TJ, incredibly smart. And I think, you know, part of this is going to be kind of similar to, to a Joe Burrow, where the, uh, the you know, look, I, at last uh, the last few days I'm going through our database on Tiger Bait, and I'm mm-hmm. – uh, we've got a cumulative ranking system, so I'm going in from for each network, you know, making sure I got the rankings right where, where each of the of the networks have them rated, so that our system calculates it right for the average stars. Right. And I didn't realize that that, that they had all had dropped him a bit, and so I, I went and adjusted that, and I'm like, you know, I know that uh, that's going to be real fodder for TJ and motivating for him uh, to want to prove everybody wrong. And by the same token, I think it's a similar situation for Max Johnson at his high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't have a big supporting cast. Uh, not, not a lot of very talented wide receivers. He's got his younger brother, the big tight end, is a target that's going to be an up-and-comer that LSU is seriously after. Um, but, I, you know, you just never know which one of these guys is going to fit in, into that system and who's going to pick it up the quickest. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought at it, it camp, uh, I thought Max Johnson, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more accuracy. Um, but he was also there on a day when it was probably the worst day of receivers at LSU's camp. So uh, I, I don't know. It, it, it's going to be interesting to see because you're going to have four scholarships on campus in the spring. You know, certainly got to make the odds on favorite for it to be Miles Brennan to win the right. job. And we don't know what Peter Parrish can do. But to me, it's all about one thing we learned this season and watching Joe Burrow is – you know, what makes him so effective is his pocket presence and footwork and knowing when to step up, step back, move left, move right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, to me, that was when, going back to Finley, that was always my question with him, pocket awareness, escapability. Um, now, when, he, when, he, when, it, when they had design runs at Ponchatoula, uh, he's, he's a long strider like Jamarcus Russell. You know, it doesn't like he's moving fast, but all of a sudden, two or three steps, and he's got six yards. <laughs> right, right. So, um, you know, they'll figure out something with uh, with Joe Brady. I assure you. Yeah, you you have to be confident in what this coaching staff can do with the offense they had. Look, it starts with quarterback, but coaching staff and scheme plays a lot into it. So, I think that if you have a successful quarterback that can make good decisions, I think that he'll be successful at LSU, especially getting to the playmakers that this team has. But overall, I think. Look, LSU sits is still a top five class today. They've got some room to add some guys. So the question moves on from before we get to where y'all think they finish. The question about a grad transfer because they can't carry twenty five past the uh, February signing day if they want to add a grad transfer. Do y'all see a grad transfer being added to this class? If we're talking quarterback, Charles, I think that's probably what you're getting at. Is you know that's kind of where the smoke has been recently. I, I think you have to. You have to at least consider it, right? I mean, if, if it's a, a king coming from Houston, uh, you know, I know Miles Brennan is supposed to be supposed to be the guy in waiting, but you know, always kind of said it on his press conference before. We, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna try to put out the the best guys available that we can get. Um, 
I just think after Joe and we, you've seen what he's done as a, a grad transfer, if, if a guy like King wants to come in and, and compete, now I don't know if he would want to come in and compete with Miles because maybe he don't win the job, but I absolutely think it's an option. You know, I think you got to you got to keep it on the table. And I, I just think if the if you think that quarterback can compete and win the job at LSU and get you you know to the national championship to the playoffs, I think you absolutely have to consider it. Without seeing when Mardi Gras falls and all that stuff, and then trying <laughs> to project when the uh, the start of spring football practices start. You know, do you you kind of keep that on the table, and then you go into spring camp, and you see how things shake out, and you mm-hmm. get an idea of what you're working with, and then from there, do you make a decision? Um, because look, when you got four scholarship quarterbacks all there in the spring, you know, what's the likelihood that that one quarterback, for sure, decides, hey. Uh, I, I'm in a log jam here, and I, and I don't see where I'm going to make any moves. I don't right. see a freshman doing that. Um, but let's just say hypothetically, you know, Peter Parrish, you know, is 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 a distant second from Miles Brennan. Well, you know, is he? He's got a decision to make. If Miles Brennan gets beat out by Peter Parrish, he's got a decision to make. It, it's the nature of that position and the nature of quarterbacks, and it's a reason why you had three. You know, you had three quarterbacks uh, uh, sitting down waiting for a Heisman announcement uh, Saturday night. It, that's what they do. And, and LSU's been the beneficiary of it. And um, you, can't, you can't slight a kid, particularly at that position, for thinking that, that, that if he can't make it uh, somewhere, he can make it somewhere else. And something to remember, too, is, is LSU is really high on a really good quarterback next year. And usually quarterbacks – recruitment they happen like a year in advance so I think LSU will see the benefits of what they did this year next year that quarterback position something I'm excited to see but let's look at how the rest of this class can yeah and look and, and, and I think Caleb Williams is is uh, probable at LSU and I think he could be an early in the year uh, decision uh, and then Garrett Nussmeyer's you know told me last week that uh, he's also planning to make a decision around the around Easter so yeah. those dominoes are going to start to fall. Yeah, and then you'll see that class fill out because that 2021 class is wide open right now. As we, we don't see that many guys in it. LSU is going to look to make that class uh, a top five classes as this year and last year will be top five classes. Yeah, Let's and at- by, ne- by next September, October, we're going to be mm-hmm. asking, is this a one or a two quarterback class? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But let's look at this year's class and just talk about how y'all think this class can finish up in terms of guys that are out there. I know there are a few guys that haven't signed. We talked about a few guys like Evans and, and that defensive tackle. Um, where do y'all see the rest of this class shaping up? Yeah, you know, look, uh, obviously, you know, Zach Evans is, is there to, to uh, figure out what he's going to do, and, and that, that's going to be an as the world turns. Uh, <laughs> he's got a few episodes of that left. You know, McKinley Jackson, who I talked about earlier, I, I just, um, you know, you, you know how hard it, hard it can be to get a kid out of Mississippi. He, he went to Auburn uh, two Saturdays ago, MVP of the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game. I think it's an LSU-A&M battle. A&M right now has that last visit weekend, but we'll see how that, how that goes. You know, several years ago, he was an early commitment to LSU, pulled back, had an excellent visit to LSU to end the season when A&M was in town. So... We'll see. And then is there a wide receiver out there? Uh, what happens with Tyke's Crawford? 
what does Cameron Jackson's transcript look like at the end of January, early February? You know, it, it's going to be interesting to, to say the least. And now all of a sudden, does it, like you said, does it all of a sudden look like there's a real possibility? Look, you got the, the kid from Rumble, the safety too, that didn't sign. So, um, you know, is there something that, that can go on there? Um, I, I I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I, Charles, I think it, Mike makes a lot of good points there that I think after today and let it all, Mike mentioned earlier, and Charles, you mentioned, let it see, let's kind of see how it all shakes out. Let's, let's see what, what we're looking at. Um, and like you said, is there a wide receiver sitting out there? The, the Zach Evans thing is, you know, it, it, it's unfortunate some, sometimes, but like you said, as the world turns, we'll see what happens with that. Um, Mike, what, what's your thoughts on if, if LSU kind of gets fed up with it and don't want to deal with it, what do you think they would go after, like go back after like an, a shy Clayton or as a running back? I know at Georgia tech that LSU was kind of looking at, do you think they would actually look that way if Zach is just kind of dealing with it, tired of dealing with it? Yeah. Cause I, you know, it's like, you know, look at, look at the board for 21. Um, yeah. you know, you, you, I'm, and I'm thinking Louisiana, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, I wondered months ago if, if Louisiana had a bona fide national 100 running back. Of course, Rashad was coming off injury. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, would they have cut cut ties and, and not chased that a long time ago? But look, it, it's one thing for me to sit here as a recruiting analyst, and you know, look, I talk to the guys that cover A and M every day, multiple conversations already today. Um, you know, they're involved, and, and there isn't a recruiting analyst out there that doesn't have the Houston, Houston as a territory or the school they cover uh, that's recruiting Zach Evans, that they're just absolutely, you know, you, you say Zach Evans' name, and the first thing you'll, you'll get is a, a whatever or an eye roll. So, <laughs> um, you know, nobody knows what he's doing. I made a joke last night that, you know, like I said, you know, it, it wouldn't – Whenever you talk to a recruiting analyst that's on Zach Evans, they say, I have no idea. Nothing would surprise me. The quote, nothing would surprise me, is probably the most said thing about Zach Evans. And that's why I kind of made a joke last night. You know, it wouldn't yeah. surprise me if he was in New Mexico Lobo at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, no, Mike, that's what I'm getting at with him. I think I've, you know, it just seems like the feeling from some of the sources I'm talking to is that LSU is kind of getting tired of it. And, you know, if they have to do what they have to do to make that decision, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens as it gets closer to his announcement. Uh, you know, I mean, like you said, as the world turns, but a guy like McKinley no, no, Jackson. And, and Rakeem, Rakeem Jarrett, they were, uh, you got to believe they were getting tired of. Yep. yep. Uh, Jermaine Burton uh, sneaks off to Georgia Saturday and goes radio silent. Uh, and, and, and they had no idea he was heading over there. Um, you know, there's a lot of kids that, um, you know, can be exasperating for, for, for college coaches. But, you know, and then there's always the theme of, you know, whenever a kid is that way, you know, what is the likelihood that you're going to have issues once you do get them into your program? Exactly. No, Mike, exactly right. And I think, oh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but, man, it really it sure seems like he's trying to create guys and a character like a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, solid guys. He don't want the drama. You can tell. You know, he speaks about it all the time is to keep the drama out of this program. He mentioned the other a couple of weeks ago, Mike, that this is the closest to a professional 
team that he's been around. I think he wants to continue that at LSU. So these guys that want to play games, that don't really want to, I just think, oh, he can get, he gets tired of that. And if he has to move on, he'll move on. He'll go find a guy. But you know what? The, the, that's the thing about coaches, though. <laughs> they, we look at it that way, and coaches all have the mindset that they can fix that. Yeah. Just let yeah. me get my hands on them. Let me get them from, you know, out of state and get them under my wing where they don't have all those people in their ear and, and tell them how great they are and letting them get away with murder. Uh, let me get them in Baton Rouge and, and let me, uh, I'll fix that. And he'll be a totally different kid in a year. They all, all coaches uh, that are successful have that mindset. So um, I think that's part of it with him, but you, you know, it, it, I'm not saying he's going to go and do something like Tony Brown, but there's some parallels to Tony <laughs> Brown back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll yeah. look at the end of the day. LSU has a successful early signing period. Again, this is the second year that we see this early signing period. I think LSU accomplished what they needed to. They targeted areas at positions of need, and there's still some guys out there, especially at offensive tackle, defensive tackle, that they can add to this class. But that wraps up what we have going for this early signing period. Make sure y'all keep it locked in with the Primetime Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at primetime underscore pod. Follow Josh on Twitter at LSU Ball Truth and Mike at Scarborough. Mike, Mike, I saw uh, Tiger Bait had some stuff going on. Yeah, we're pretty busy today and had those text alerts going. Uh, what y'all got going on over there right now? No, nah, man, we've had an incredible 72 hours. In fact, we've set a record in the last 48 hours for the number of subscriptions and sign-ups and our text alert enrollment tripled uh, since yesterday. Uh, People were really loving the, the text alerts for breaking news because, I mean, people got to work. You know, they can't sit on there and watch Twitter and watch my message board and, and all that all day long. So they, they loved getting the text alerts whenever somebody was officially signed or was a new commitment. And so uh, we've got that all at Tiger Bait. And $1 gets you started. We give you a one-week trial period. But uh, uh, we've been had a, had a lot of success, and people are – we've got uh, a 96% retention rate. So – uh, people are, are, are loving the product, and we're adding more and more. And So if you're an LSU fan, we, we, we'd love to have you, and give us a try at TigerBait.com. Yeah, just real quick, I wanted to caveat that. I know I said some good things about Mike last time he was on the pod, but you know, if you're looking for real, real news there, local, what's going on, some of these national websites, it's it's hit and miss, man. Look, the guys that a lot of I got a lot of people that follow me. Give Mike a follow. Check out his website. He's really going to give you the local feel, what's going on, what's going on in the program. So if you haven't had an opportunity, absolutely give Mike a follow and you know check out his website. Awesome, man. I appreciate the kind words, Josh. Yep. And um, and I enjoy I enjoy coming on with you guys. It's always a fun podcast. Yes, sir. Well, thank y'all both for coming on so much. Uh, we appreciate y'all to- y'all's time. And uh, we're wrapping up another exciting signing day for LSU as they look to finish off a top five class come uh, February. But for Josh Simone and for Mike Scarborough, my name is Charles Reese, your host. Y'all have a great week. We're almost to that game. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. (laughs) And as always, God bless.